0: Whenever I was about five years old, uh, my family planned a vacation to go to the beach in Garden City, South Carolina, south of Myrtle Beach, where we went uh, every summer growing up and and still go to this day. And uh, we we got to the condo that we were staying at, and my parents were unloading the luggage, and uh, my brother and sister and I, we were younger, so we weren't really doing a whole lot to help. Uh, We were just kind of in the condo playing around, and my brother decides that, uh, that he's going to open up the balcony door and, and go outside and check that out. Well, as he did that, uh, a big gust of wind came flying through the condo, and it slammed the front door to the condo shut, and we couldn't get it back open. It wouldn't open back up, and, and so my parents had to call maintenance to come up and to fix it, to, to get the door opened again. And on top of that, a little while later, one of the toilets overflowed in the condo. And then to top it all off, I was playing on the couch, and I jumped off the couch, and my front teeth smacked the coffee table, and my parents had to research dentists in the area to get some dental work done. And needless to say, my parents decided that we were going to cut that vacation short and head back home. Now... We, we planned to have a fun vacation, uh, to enjoy time with one another, and uh, to just enjoy a family together. And as you can tell from my story, that did not happen. Uh, that did not happen. And many of you can probably relate to that story of my family vacation whenever I was about five years old. And in fact, many of you have probably had vacations like that one. And if you haven't had a, even if you haven't had a vacation like that, you've probably had experiences like that in your day-to-day life where you planned something, you thought it out, you thought things were going to go well, and they just didn't go as you had expected or had hoped for. And so even the most well-thought-out plans sometimes will not work. They don't go as expected. Now, on the other hand, there are probably many of you in this room who are not very big planners, and maybe you're a little bit more free spirit, and maybe you get to, get to a point in, in, in your day or something, an, an event going on in your, in your day, and you realize, man, I, I didn't really think that through that well. I should have maybe thought about the details of, of what I was going to do or what I was going to say in this instance. And so there's two sides to the spectrum. And so some planning is good and it's necessary, However, even the most well-thought-out plans can can fail. Because God is the one who is ultimately sovereign. He is the one that is ultimately in control of our day-to-day lives. He is over all things that go on in this world. And because of that, we are called both to seek His will and also to do His will for our lives. We are called to both seek His will and also to do His will for our lives. And not only are we called to, to seek God's will and to do God's will, we're also told in Scripture that our lives are very short in the grand scheme of eternity. Our lives are like a mist. We're here and then we're gone in the grand scheme of eternity. That's very, very short. And so this increases the urgency that we have to actually live out God's will for our lives. We don't have long. And so we need to live out the truth of God's word. We should live out his will for our lives. And this is the main point that we're going to see in our passage this morning. That life on earth is short, so follow God's will for your life. Life on earth is short, so follow God's will for your life. And we're going to be looking at James 4, 13-17 in order to do that. So if you haven't turned in your Bibles there, I would encourage you to to open up God's Word to James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 as we dive into this together. So again, the main point is life on earth is short. So follow God's will for your life. Follow along with me as I read James chapter 4, 13 through 17. This is the Word of God. Come now, you who say... All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and we ask humbly that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears to receive the truth of your word. God, do a work in each of our lives this morning. I pray for those who don't know you in this room that you would help them to see their purpose in life is to worship you. And God, would you save them this morning so that they could do that. And for the believers in this room, I pray that you would help us to increasingly live out your will for our lives. Would you empower us to do that by the Holy Spirit? We pray in faith in Jesus' name, amen. Well, under this main point of, of our life being short, so we should follow God's will for our lives, I've got two sub-points to that. And the first one being that is that we should seek guidance from and depend on God in all things you do. Seek, God, seek, seek God's guidance from, from Him and depend on Him in all things that you do. Now, he op- James opens up this passage with, uh, with an illustration of these merchants. And they give us an example of of what not to do. They give us an example of what we should not do with our lives. The merchants made their plans apart from God. They made their plans on their own. They determined when they were going to go to a certain town. They determined where they were going to go. And they determined for how long they were going to go as well. And not only that, but the merchants were very confident in themselves that they were going to make money as they did that, apart from God. In other words, these merchants, they were seeking after financial gain, and they were confident in themselves to accomplish this. They did not seek guidance from God, nor depend on God as they did that. Rather, they did what they thought was best in their own eyes and depended on their own strength rather than God's. So what does this illustration not mean? Well, it doesn't mean that capitalism is necessarily wrong in making money uh, like these guys. It's not, it's, not, it's not a passage about capitalism or if that's right or wrong. It's also not saying that there's not some wisdom in planning for the future. We all know that there is wisdom in planning for the future. It, there's wisdom in having different types of insurance. There's wisdom in investing uh, for the future to have money whenever you retire. It's wise to budget the money that God has entrusted to you to make sure that you use the finances that you have uh, to the glory of God. It's wise to think through your weekly and monthly and yearly calendar to make sure that you're you're using your time to honor God, to fulfill His purposes for your life. So the main point of this illustration is that that we are not to make plans in our own strength and for our own personal gain and desires, But we are to seek the Lord's plan for our lives and to depend on him as we seek to accomplish those plans. Because at the end of the day, you do not know what tomorrow will bring, but the sovereign and omniscient God does. You do not know what tomorrow will bring, but the sovereign and omniscient God does. So God is sovereign. This simply means that he is the ruler over all of the earth. He is king. He is in control. He is also omniscient, meaning that he is all-knowing. He knows everything from beginning to end. He knows our thoughts. He knows our desires. He knows our hearts. He knows our actions. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He is all-knowing. And we are not omniscient and sovereign. We are not all-knowing. We are limited in the things that we know. We are limited in the control that we can have as well. So you are, a, you are a finite being, I'm a finite being, but God is infinite and omniscient and sovereign. And this means that you need to seek his plans and depend upon him in your life. So you should prayerfully seek God's will for your life in his word and within the context of gospel community. So you should prayer, prayerfully seek God's will in his word and also in the context of gospel community. So within that point, there's there's three filters that we see there. We see the Bible, we see prayer, and we see community. Those three filters help us to determine how we should live our lives. Now, if you think about a water filter, the, the job of the water filter is to get out the dirt and the minerals that you don't want to have, so that way you have clean drinking water. Well, in the same way as we run our lives through these three filters, we will get rid of the sinful things that, that, that we are not supposed to do, and we get what we, the, will, the will of God. We get how we're supposed to live our daily lives. And so the filter, filter number one is God's Word. This is our primary source of determining God's will for our lives because this is the Word of God. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for, for, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Our second Peter 1.3, it says, his divine power has granted to you, uh, has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So the Bible, it's inspired by God. It is inerrant, and so it is trustworthy, we, we can trust what the Bible says is what our, God's will for our lives is. And not only that, but this, the Bible is clear. We can understand what this word says. And so we can apply the truth of the word to our lives. So it's, it's from God, it's inspired by God, and it is clear. We can understand it, and so we are called to live it out. The Bible teaches us, corrects us, trains us, equips us, and provides all that we need for life and for godliness. In order to discern God's will, uh, one commentator, Doug, Douglas Moo, says, We must ask if this kind of plan is in accordance with the Lord's will expressed in Scripture for His people. So we go to Scripture as, as the main filter for determining, Is this God's will for my life? Now, the first step is in discerning God's will is, is to go to the Scriptures. However, Every decision that we make can't necessarily be determined completely by Scripture, right? Scripture doesn't tell us you need to go to this college. Scripture doesn't tell us you need to major in this when you go to that college. It doesn't tell us that you're supposed to drive this kind of car or you're to live in this city. It doesn't give us, every single person, the, the instruction on, on those things. Now, of course, we should go to those—there those, are verses that speak to those issues, maybe more specifically to the heart behind and the motive behind uh, those decisions. But the, the overall decision, the Bible's not going to say that you need to go and, and live uh, wherever. So we need to test our motives of why do I want to go to this certain college, or why do I want to major in this, or why do I want to go and work at this company or live in this city? So, the Bible does help us with that, but it ultimately doesn't help us to to make the decision. In addition to Scripture, then, the second filter is that we are to, to pray. So, as we make decisions in life, we need to pray and we need to seek God's wisdom for our lives. Pray and seek for God's wisdom. So, we should be devoted to prayer and the different decisions and issues that come up in our lives. James one five says, "If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him." So, if we lack wisdom in a decision in our life, we're to pray. We pray to God. In Acts chapter one, after uh, after uh, uh, Judas was uh, was uh, killed himself, and they had to find a new twelfth apostle what did they do? They went to the Lord in prayer, and they asked God for wisdom on who they should appoint as the new 12th apostle. And for me, one of the, one of the times in my life that, that I probably did this uh, the most is after I, after I got saved my junior year at Clemson. So this is 2011, and, and, and in the August of 2012, the next year, so not even a year later, I for the first time, I really start to pray, God, what is your will for my life? I, I've been planning to go to physical therapy school ever since my 10th grade year in high school. And I, I just was kind of assuming, okay, well, even though I, just, I got saved, I'm just still going to continue to do what God, what, what I wanted to do, what I thought I was going to do. But I realized that I needed to go to the Lord in prayer and, and ask God, what is your will for my life? What, what do you want from me? And as I did that, slowly, over time, God began to impress on my heart that I was called to ministry. And at the time, I was completely floored. I, I, I was surprised. I didn't know what that even looked like. And so from August of 2012 through March of 13, I was just like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm graduating this May, and I don't even know what I'm going to do, God. Like, can you please help me out here? And, and so I'm praying over and over and over again, day after day, week after week, month after month. And finally, uh, as I did that, the Lord, uh, he, he, he was comforting me throughout that, just knowing, okay, hey, I'm going to show you what it is. It's going it's to come. Just trust me. Just trust me. And in March of, of 2013, I learned about an internship program that I could be a part of, and I, and I went to Boston for six weeks. And, and so I did that. And as I, as I did, as, as I served the Lord in Boston, I started to pray, okay, well, I finished my six weeks here, Lord, now what, like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, that was only six weeks. And so I start praying, and God is leading me to go back up to Boston. And so I raised support uh, to go up to Boston, which was scary and intimidating. And over six months, the, the fall of 2013, I raised support in January 14, moved up to Boston to serve with Redemption Hill Church for a year and a half. And that is eventually how God led me to here as well, is, is through New Branch's connection to Redemption Hill. And so that was one of the stories in my life where I really, really was seeking, God, what is your will for my life? And honestly, it was the first time that I was really seeking, God, what is your will for my life? And so we must run, the, run our lives through the filter of prayer as well. The third filter that we see here is that we should seek wisdom from gospel community. We should seek counsel from those around us in our lives. We should seek counsel from our friends, from our base group, from our pastor, our mentor, our parents, whoever it may be. There are other people in our lives that are more spiritually mature and have more life experience that we can learn from. That we need to help, help us to see the gifts that we have, the weaknesses that we have, to think through, am I called to do this or that? Or maybe they've already been through that with one of their kids as they raise them up, and they can help you and give you wisdom and, and how you need to handle a situation with your kid. So there are people that are wiser than us that we need to depend on and to run our lives through that filter. So... So that, that, is the, that is the third filter. We, we should take advantage of the people around us in this church, in this body, that, that know us better than other people, that can help direct us and, and give us wisdom and insight in the way that we should live our lives. So what are, what are maybe some practical examples of things that we could actually run through these filters? Well, I think one, one example is, is how do you use your time each day? How do you use your time day in and day out? If a brother or sister were to look at your calendar or observe the way that you go through your day, what would they say? Would they say, man, you're, you're kind of all about yourself and your own comforts and stuff. Or, man, you're really working hard and you're, you're serving the Lord in different ways and you're sacrificing your time. What would they see? What would they see in your life if they looked at your calendar or looked at, just observed the way you lived out your daily life? Another example might be how do you use your finances? If a brother or sister looked at your budget, would you be ashamed of that, or would you be? Would you be? Hey, man, I have nothing to hide here. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm using the money that God has entrusted to me for the glory of God. So, what would you say? What would a brother or sister say if they looked at your budget or your possessions? How would the Lord say? How would someone say? How are you using your possessions? for the glory of God as well. Ultimately, we should run all of our all of our lives, everything in our lives through these three filters in order to determine what is is this God's will for my life or not. Now, of course, you know, even if we run run, run our lives through those three things, it doesn't mean it's not the solution cure-all for everything, but those are pointers to help us to think through that. And and sometimes it it may be years and and maybe never, maybe never for some things we'll ever find out what that is. And so those are just some some general guidelines of things that we can run our lives through in order to determine, is this God's will for my life? It's not a cure-all, it's not going to cure everything, but I think it is a helpful tool to do that. So we should prayerfully seek God's will for your life alongside gospel community and in his word. And so the reason that this is so important is because our lives are short. Our lives are very, very short. In fact, in verse 14, uh, James uses the the language of our lives are missed. And and ultimately, this is getting at that, that our lives are short in the grand scheme of eternity. Our lives are short in the grand scheme of eternity. Let's look at verse 14 again. He says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? for your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes so a, f- a few other examples that, that kind of describe this maybe like if you're in a hot shower and you kind of see the steam going off into the into the bathroom you kind of see it for a second and then it's gone it disappears or if it's very cold outside below freezing and you go outside and and you you, you know you you're breathing and you see you see your breath you only see it for like what Half a second, and then boom, it's gone. That's what our lives are like. That's what our lives are like. Another way to say this maybe is is you know, is this illustration about a puzzle. There's all kinds of different puzzles, right? You have you have these little simple puzzles for, for little kids. Maybe you got the farm animals on there. They're square pieces, you know, eight pieces. And then you've got some puzzles that are, you know, several hundred pieces, thousands of pieces, tens of thousands of pieces. Well God's puzzle is like a million pieces big, it's, and it's, it's even more than that. But, but let's, let's, let's pretend we've got God's puzzle here, which is a million pieces. Well, each of us are a small piece of that puzzle. We are a small piece of that puzzle. We, we are a very minute part of God's eternal plans, but yet we are still important because we're part of the puzzle. And so if you look at this million-piece puzzle you, you can find us in this one little spot. Now, it seems, so we're, we're just a very, very small part, and that represents our lives being super short in the grand picture, right? So again, this does not mean that your life is insignificant, because we all know that if you're missing a piece of the puzzle, it's incomplete. You don't get the full picture. And so every single one of us matter, and we have a vital importance in the picture, yet it's also just a small part in the grand scheme of things. And this also means that, that we are called to live for something that is far, far, far greater than ourselves. We are living for the one true God who is over everything. We are to live more for than, than, than just the things of this world. We are to live for the God that is over this world. We don't live for just the things of this world. We live for the one who is over the world. It's an amazing thing that our eternal, sovereign, and omniscient God would allow sinners like you and me to play a part, even a small part, in his grand eternal plans. That is an amazing reality. Now, because our lives are short, because they are brief, We must focus not on our own personal desires. We must focus on God's desire for our lives. We must focus on what is most important in this life. Matthew 22 has the two great commandments. We're all familiar, most of us are familiar with that. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two great commandments. This is what we're called to do with our lives. This is the most important thing. Love God and love your neighbor. This is, this is, this is what matters the most, right? And not only that, but, but God, as a part of loving God, is that God desires for all of us to worship him. He desires every person in this room and people all over the world to worship him, right? That is his global mission, that all peoples would worship him. Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on, to the, thro- sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. So this, th- this, is, this is God's mission. He wants people from all over the world to worship him. This is what matters the most. And the way that this happens is through God using individual people and in local churches and sending out missionaries to the nations to advance his kingdom. And God wants each piece of the puzzle to play their part in the larger picture. In other words, God wants all of us to be doing the work of loving God and loving neighbor and making disciples of all nations. He wants each of you to be a part of something that is much, much greater than yourself. He wants you to be a part of his mission, to take the gospel to the nations. And this is what our lives should be about, more so than anything else. It's to love God, love our neighbor, to live on mission for him. And so what are the things in your life that prevent you from doing that? What are the things for you that prevent you from focusing on the most important matters in in your life? Now keep in mind, many of these things are not sinful in themselves, yet they still distract us from the most important things in life. And also, I would also go on to say that These things are not always mutually exclusive to living on God's mission and and loving God and loving neighbor. And so we have to think through how do we intersect those things to, to live out what matters the most. But ultimately, if we busy ourselves so much so with the things of this world that we neglect to live for the one that is over the world, then we have simply missed the mark. Simply missed the mark. A few of those things could be sports, could be school, vacation, family, travel, rest, money, doing whatever is comfortable and convenient for your family. What are the things for you that prevent you from focusing on the things that matter eternally? Your life is short. It is like a mist. So don't waste it on the things of this world. Exhaust it. For the things that matter the most. Exhausted for the mission of God. Exhausted for loving God and loving neighbor. A part of living out God's will is seeking and living out His will for our lives. And depending on Him to do that. And another key part to living out God's will is to acknowledge God as Lord of all of your life. Acknowledging God as Lord of all of your life. And that's the second point this morning. In verses 16 and 17, James says that we are not to boastfully make our own plans apart from God, and especially plans that go against God's will. We are called to submit to Jesus as Lord of all of our life. He is our king. He is our ruler. And ultimately, the first step in acknowledging God as Lord is to repent of your sin and trust in Christ for salvation. It's the gospel. It's it's going from... Ruling your own life, living the way that you want to live, rebelling against God, making yourself your own king, crowning yourself as king and lord of your own life, and it's humbling yourself to realize that you are not king, you are not ruler, but that God is, and that you have rebelled against him, that you have sinned against him, that you are separated from him because of that. And you need to humble yourself to believe in the one that humbled himself by coming down from heaven to this earth to die on a Roman cross on our behalf. Was was dead and buried and rose again on the third day. To believe in him for salvation alone. Because it is in Christ alone that there is salvation. He is the king. So have you submitted to King Jesus this morning? Have you confessed him as Lord of your life? If not, then I urge you, do not wait. Your life is amiss. You're not promised tomorrow. Believe on Christ for salvation. Confess your sin. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus for he alone can save you from your sin. So that is the first Step in in acknowledging that Christ is Lord of all of your life. Now, if you are in Christ, then you have pronounced that he is the Lord of all of your life. He is the Lord over everything. He's the king of your life. He's over your life. He's the ruler of your life. And you live for him and not yourself. You live for him and not yourself. And this means every aspect of our lives. It means our marriage. It means our kids. It means our work. It means how you spend your time. It means your finances. It means everything. It's all-encompassing that Jesus is Lord of every aspect of your life. So in what areas of your life have you not acknowledged that God is Lord? What are the sin struggles that you have in your life that you know are rebelling against God, what are, the, what, what are the different areas of your life, your work or money or your calendar, whatever it may be, that you are not submitting, that you are not putting yourself under Christ's rule? What are the things for you? Now, living under Christ's lordship as well, it, all, it also means that boasting and making your own plans apart from God is sinful. And that's exactly what we see in the merchants in this, in this passage. And, and, and I'm going to read verse 16 again. It says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. This is talking about the merchants and how they were making their plans apart from God. And now the point of that is to realize that we are not self-sufficient. We are not sufficient on our own apart from God. We can't just make our own decisions apart from God and to fulfill our own plans for our lives. That is not what God says that we should do. In other words, we are not autonomous or independent from God, but we are to depend on God and submit to God. And the merchants of this text, they were leaving God completely out of their plans. He was not a part of their plans of where they were going to go and how long they were going to go. He, he, they, they did not put God in their plans for the way that they were going to live their life. And in fact, they were, they were very confident. They were almost bragging about the fact, we're going to go and we're just going to be there a year and we're going to make all this kind of money. And God says, no, we, we are not to do that. So does this, perhaps any part of that, describe you in your life? Do you make your plans apart from God or do you surrender your plans to God and humbly submit to what he has for your life? As you look at your calendar for today, in tomorrow, in this week, in this month, in this year? Do you, see, do you see things that are just enjoyable experiences and fun experiences and comfortable experiences and activities for you and your family? Or do you see your, th- do you see your calendar filled with things that are living out what matters the most? Loving God, loving neighbor, and living out the mission of God. What are the things that are filled on your calendar? And I would encourage you guys to remember to, to, to re- remember those three filters that I was talking about. Run it through the scripture. Run it through prayer and also gospel community. Run, through the, run, run your plans. Run your calendar through that and, and to consider, am I living out what, what God's will for, will for me is? Am I living out my day-to-day life, my yearly life, in a way that honors God or not? Living under Christ's lordship also means that it is sin for you to know God's will for your life and to disobey him. It's sinful to know God's will for your life and then to obey him as well. I'm going to look at verse 17 again. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So knowing the right thing to do and failing to do it, it is sin. That seems simple enough, right? So these merchants, they were, they were caught up in making money for their own personal gain that they neglected to do, that, that, that they knew what they were doing was, was really not right in the eyes of God. And if you're a Christian, then you know that you are called to seek God's will and to live out God's will for your life, but are you doing that? If we decide not to do that, then it is sin. It is rebelling against God. It is disobedience to the Lord. And so, believers, what plans in your life are you making apart from God? And, Now, I also want to speak to the non-believer here. One of of your objections to trusting in Christ for salvation, it might be that I don't don't want to submit to what God's will is for my my life. Like, I see what Scripture says, and I don't really want to do that. I want to be my own king. I want to be my own ruler. I want to live my life the way that I want to live it. And I I would say to that that perhaps you need to think through what actually means a joy-filled life. Because as I reflect on my life with Christ and and compare that to my life apart from Christ, then I have realized that there is much more joy and satisfaction, not perfection, not that there's nothing wrong, but there's much more joy and satisfaction in living out God's plan for my life Than rebelling against him and being my own ruler and king. And so if you're a non believer, if you've not trusted in Christ, and maybe maybe that's an objection for you, I would I would challenge you to to think about that. To think about what is true joy and what is true satisfaction, and what is going to bring that about. So as we've seen this morning, we've seen that life on earth is short. So follow God's will for your life. Life on earth is short. So follow God's will for your life. And we are to seek guidance from and depend on God as well as we do that. And we are to acknowledge God as Lord of all of our life. And so what are the ways that God has been stirring in your heart this morning? What are some ways that you need to apply the truth of God's word to your life? I have a few application points to think through and consider. Number one, realize that life is short and it should be used for eternal purposes. Realize that your life is short and that it should be used for eternal matters. God desires for you to live on mission, spreading the gospel to the nations, loving God, loving neighbor. He desires all of those things. And one thing in particular in the life of our church that I do want to point to and to challenge you guys to think through is serve it starts next Sunday. And, and really what Servicula is it, is, it is a week that we are setting apart as a church, and we're saying we want to love our community, we want to bless our community, we want to, to, to point other people to Christ by the way that we're serving them and loving them. And, and this, is a, this is one of the primary ways that we've done that. It's not the only way that we do it, but it's one of the main ways that we do this as a church. And so we set apart a week to do that. And so I would just challenge you guys to, to, to consider... How is God leading me to be a part of that this year? And also, maybe how is he leading you to be a part of it next year in the years to come? What are, what, are, what are the ways that I can sacrifice time and, and exhaust myself to get out of my normal routine and see this as a local mission trip where we're, we're getting out of our normal routine and we're exhausting ourselves for the sake of the gospel? I would challenge you to think through that, what God might have you to do this year and also even in the years to come. Now, Servicula is great... And I'm all for it, obviously. But that's not everything. It's not like we're just called to do this one week out of the year, and then we just forget about this truth. We're called to do this every single day. We're called to live out God's mission. We're called to love God. We're called to love our neighbor day in and day out. And so how might you do that in your life, in your everyday life? Number two, consider the areas of your life that you need to seek and submit to God's will. What are the areas in your life that you need to both seek and also to submit to God's will for your life? What are the decisions in your life that you have coming up this week and in the coming months? What are the things that you're wrestling with, the decisions that you have to make? And also, maybe consider the summer's coming up, or the summer's here. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. What are your plans for the summer? Are your plans for the summer just primarily about yourself and getting rest for yourself, which I'm not saying any you know we all need rest, I'm not saying we don't need any rest, but is it primarily just filled with restful things and peaceful things and, and lounging around by the pool all the, every day all day? Or is it or is it about things that matter eternally? Are you going to use how are you going to leverage your summer that maybe time where where kids are out more more freedom, more flexibility? How are you going to leverage that time for the sake of the gospel? Maybe you're going to the pool day in and day out, and you're, you're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet my neighbors. I'm going to meet the people that are at this pool, and I'm going to invest in their lives. I'm going to have them over to my home. So again, we can intersect these things that we're doing that, that could be restful things, but we can intersect them with mission as well. So what are the things that you need to think through this summer for you? What are your plans? Have you, ran, have you run those plans through the scriptures, through prayer, And also for gospel through through the people in your life, the the community around your life, around you. So consider the areas that you need to both seek and submit to God's will. And then thirdly, consider the areas in your life that you need to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Consider the areas in your life that you need to surrender to the Lordship of Christ. For some of you, this may even mean surrendering to Him as Lord for the first time. Trusting in Christ alone for salvation. Maybe you have never believed in Christ. Maybe you've never confessed him as Lord. I challenge you to surrender to him as Lord this morning. To believe in him for salvation. Because the eternal result of not trusting in Christ, it is eternal separation from God in hell. And that is the just judgment of God. And as we saw in, this, in these verses, it is clear that your life is a mist. And that means that we are not promised tomorrow. We are not promised tomorrow. And so don't delay. Trust in Christ today. Believe in him for salvation. For believers, what are the sinful areas in your life What are the things that you're rebelling against God and that you need to come under the lordship of Christ and ask for forgiveness and to live out God's calling on your life? What are the things for you believers? Brothers and sisters, our lives, they are like a mist. They are short. But although they are very short, God commands each one of us to play our part in the puzzle. Each piece of the puzzle is vital because without each piece, the picture is incomplete. And so each piece is vital. And we are called to live out our part in that. So are you seeking God's will for your life? Are you living out God's will for your life? What things do you need to run through the, scripture, the, the filters of Scripture and prayer and gospel community? It is of utmost importance that we wrestle through these questions because there's nothing more important in our lives than living out God's will, living, loving God, loving neighbor, living on mission for him. There's nothing that is more important than those things. And not only that, but there is nothing more fulfilling and satisfying than living out what God has called us to do with our lives. Would you please pray with me?